Hello. Welcome to the BL Portfolio Podcast coming from Business Line's in-house research team. At BL Research Bureau, we slice and dice stocks, mutual funds, insurance, and other financial products, as well as give you sound ideas to manage your money. I'm Hari Vishwanath, Chief Research Analyst. Today, we are going to discuss uh, private sector banks and within that, mid-cap funds. Uh, private sector banks have always been a sought-after theme in India. Some of them have been great uh, wealth creators, uh, starting with uh, HDFC Bank. Uh, many of them, uh, many of the mid-cap banks were in vogue uh, right up to the ILFS uh, crisis. Uh, that was a time when many of the large banks were caught up with asset quality issues, and the and the mid-cap private banks were gaining market share. They had a great run, some of them till uh, September 2018. And although they got hit during the, some of them got hit during the ILFS crisis, uh, they did recover well after that. But then the pandemic uh, uh, came around, and then again uh, they had to, their growth was uh, impacted uh, because of the pandemic. But now the whole sector seems to be recovering nicely from uh, the pandemic blues. And uh, today we are going to discuss with senior assistant editor Hamsini Karthik. Where the mid-cap private sector banks stand now, and what is the road ahead uh, for them? Hi, Amsini. Hi, Hari. Nice chatting uh, up with you on this topic. Yes, and it's been in my mind for quite a while uh, because some of these stocks, uh, till they got hit once in 2018, then again into 2020, both with the S Bank fiasco and then the pandemic, uh, uh, many were searching for the next HDFC bank within these uh, mid-cap uh, private banks. And then obviously they had to go through a lot of strain during the pandemic. And uh, now they seem to be recovering. What is your take on this cluster of stocks? I mean, which stocks would you say uh, are the, which stocks among the mid-cap private bank do you think, uh, which were actually in vogue uh, earlier, now seem to be recovering and is there opportunity um, in the mid-cap banks? Fair point. Uh, just to put a little bit of context to it, uh, yes, of course, ILFS was a, a huge dampener, but it didn't cause so much of a pain to across all the banking stocks. Uh, 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 it, there were one odd casualties like uh, in the same among the uh, well-managed top companies. And then Bandhan had a very small exposure to ILFS and it took a hit because of that. But most of the banks did manage to still survive ILFS as a crisis. Uh, what really cracked open is that, you know, after ILFS happened, we've had successive uh, corporate failures like DHFL, RCAP, Z went through a bit of a tough time. Okay. Uh, and uh, Syntex, there were issues. So some of the large business conglomerates, some of the uh, well-known business, company, uh, business uh, houses, uh, they went through a bit of a meltdown. And I think that started pretty much the trigger for all for most of these banks. Now, why these banks came in the line of fire was also because uh, they, are, they have a, a, or rather for smaller companies, for mid and small cap companies, their access to a similar sized bank may be a lot more easier compared to, uh, you know, a large bank. So when small, small casualties happened, it was largely these mid cap names that uh, fell uh, victims. Um, and, and, the, and to add to it came the pandemic. 
so there was they were already reeling under an asset quality pressure which they thought will not hit them and then came the pandemic which further accentuated the whole uh, scenario and uh, uh, we're dealing with two unprecedented things unplanned uh, uh, hits and it just shook the system uh, especially for the smaller names um now to answer your question on which of them i would like i would i would uh, uh, prefer and stay away from i think we'll take it up a little more because let's first understand you know uh, how are each of these banks placed uh, what is the competitive landscape today and we'll take up the last question last part of the question as the last question all right so so the banks would you say among the large cap uh, i mean outside the the large caps the next set of private banks would be uh, bandhan indusin bank rbl bank uh, yes bank yes uh, okay. and uh, um, uh, let's let's also just quickly go back to what where you left uh, some some minutes back uh, uh, the search for the next hdfc bank you were saying yeah. yes. uh, now um, you know uh, uh, there was a time when uh, rbl was seen as one and rbl's ipo was a big fanfare it had mm-hmm. the who's who of the banking sector gracing their ipo conferences um, there was so much of conviction around the stock and it was a very high profile ipo high priced ipo and it was okay. lapped up within you know uh, it, most of it was almost all of it was just easily lapped up at all valuations in just the first day it's all okay. lot of uh, out of uh, um uh, over subscription and it it was a it was a complete fanfare uh, filled ipo and to be fair it was somewhere being seen as the next hdfc bank right uh-huh. so um in terms of uh, valuations i uh, indusind was somewhere getting there because indusind had built a very nice construct within vehicle some bit of sme loans uh okay. some bit of personal loans it it had built its book in a in a very interesting way so each of them were seen as uh, you know names with a lot of potential bandhan until uh, until a very long time 2018 and all they took a lot of pride in saying that i don't mind being a universal microfinance based bank you know uh-huh. so but what happened is that the pandemic just forced them to relook at their strategies whether they want to continue doing business in the manner that they had envisaged pre-pandemic and all that and i think what we are seeing now in terms of their financials in terms of the kind of uh, uh, respect that the market is uh, attributing to these stocks it's just an offshoot of this whole thought process okay okay uh, in fact i remember uh, indusind was uh, so much in work it was a 2000 rupees stock uh, yes. before the ilfs right i mean i knew yes. there was a place oh, okay it used to get the same uh, price by book multiple as uh, hdfc bank i suppose or absolutely absolutely okay. and, and this is despite their loan book being uh, much smaller compared to hdfc bank okay and that, that premium was, and that premium is gone now is it post ilfs oh we're very far from all that we're very 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 far from all that now the bank trades very close to its book value okay. um and uh, so what has happened is that uh, you know when sumanth katpalya took charge of the bank uh, from ramesh sopti in uh, march uh, 2020 uh, 
the bank was already facing a bit of uh, uh, NPA issues, and Sopti had given a, a guidance for recovery from it. But obviously, when he gave the guidance, little did he know that we were going to be hit by COVID. So, okay. and then there was Yes Bank uh, fall that happened. So, mm-hmm. the whether you look at the market from you know a retail deposit perspective or a retail investor perspective. Uh, even the institutional investors for that matter they weren't taking uh, names which had asset quality concerns uh, positively so okay. indusin when katpalya took charge was seeing a run on deposits uh, they were they, they were lost in terms of how do we realign the book how do we get past the pandemic because remember in indusin 10% of their loan book comes from MS, mfi loans and okay. 10% is not a small number at all because we saw how a 2000 3000 crore of exposure could just in one quarter bump up its npa ratios to over 2% which was a level that indusind bank had never seen in the past at least in the last 5 years prior to uh, september quarter of fy19 and here okay. when you're talking about you know 10% stress accruing in a book that's a lot to deal with but it didn't stop with that for indusind they had allegations of evergreening in their microfinance portfolio that again Uh, worked very adversely on the stock the management did come out saying that they did find some lapses in terms of uh, uh, recording of some or uh, accounting for some loans and corrective action was put in place and all that so uh, the good side and and why i like this bank as where it as where it stands today is for two reasons uh, one uh they say that we've made mistakes and uh, we, we are in the course to correct it uh they are correcting it which is showing up in the numbers quite well uh and to uh, a lot of the legacy practices with respect to risk management lending practices uh focus on uh, you know segment uh, in terms of growth has all gone for overhauling so okay. uh, indusind is at a sweet spot today so um, although valuations have crashed a lot and usually it's seen as a very uh, negative sign at uh, the current price uh, price to book i think it's uh, investors should uh, uh, can look at you know sort of considering the stock all right so you feel most of the issues are behind uh, uh... yes i would think so i would okay. think so hari on this microfinance did did indusind's exposure go up because of the acquisition they did uh... uh they acquired bharat financial right yes so the the whole microfinance book was due to the uh, acquisition otherwise okay. they didn't have an organic mfi book as such uh, so would, uh, would they have been in even better shape if not for that acquisition not really because uh, this acquisition has helped them access a um, high risk high yield portfolio Uh, okay. so their margin profile which was in that uh, you know 3.2 3.5 range now mm-hmm. has quickly shot up to over 4% all right right so that would not have happened if not for the uh, mfi portfolio uh, okay. mfi portfolio the only difference between them and uh, bandhan is the lack of concentration bandhan is very heavily concentrated in west bengal assam you know that okay. that accounts for a large chunk of their book uh for uh, uh bharat financial which is a subsidiary of uh, indusind it's not the the portfolio concentration is not very high so i would think that you know once mfis get back on their feet which is which is somewhere sort of happening now especially with the new mfi uh, lending norms coming in uh, a, a few months back a thing mm-hmm. should does uh, normalize hari and mfi is a very good business to be in because when you do this business well it's a mm-hmm. near zero npa business 
and it's okay. a high uh, um, a, a quick book to, a book churn uh, business also all right okay what about where do the rest uh, in the private uh, among the top private sectors can bandhan rbl and yes bank how do their prospects look do you have any preferences uh, let's start with rbl okay rbl uh, also faced uh, issues from uh, uh, these small small uh, uh, or those uh, mid sized conglomerates uh, 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 really going bad so uh, uh, and uh, trouble for rbl first uh, threw up in uh, the june 2019 quarter uh, okay. so the whole of fy20 you could say was a strained period then pandemic came and it uh, aggravated the strain because rbl has nearly 30% of its total loan book not retail but total loan book exposure to cards and uh, uh, mfi loans cards okay. taking a higher share of over 20% in this uh, split up right so both are very vulnerable to delinquencies in fact the pattern of delinquencies is such that um, if a person has to default the signs will first show up on the card side you know that oh. is that is the thumb rule that uh, um, any uh, if you go to any uh, um, company like uh, chrysal or uh, uh, xpion that that's experience that's what they really tell you in terms of how to spot stress right oh. so this went uh, against rbl's uh, Uh, uh construct and uh, therefore their nps just shot off the roof uh it, it, within no time but where the company and or rather why is it that the investors are still wary about it um so vishwavi rahuja who was the md ceo of the bank until december uh, 2021 uh, he kept guiding that you know this is the last quarter of stress we will at best see just one more quarter of stress and so on and so forth but it never stopped with what he considered the last okay so this sort of set a bit of a distrust among investors and they they were they were on the verge of giving up hopes on you know what can really uh, happen with this bank uh, they they were lost for direction and then rbi stepped in whenever rbi steps in uh, uh, in a bank and especially in a private bank it's not seen as a very uh, uh, encouraging thing uh, you know especially after we've seen what happened in yes bank lvb dhfl and all that uh, people tend to get very skeptic about it and to okay. top it you have a person like uh, subramanya kumar who's now joined in as the mp ceo of the bank right so um, uh, subramanya kumar was a resolution specialist at dhfl and he comes with that sort of a baggage so people immediately started ascribing that things are going uh, nowhere things are things have just hit the roof and people gave up on rbl uh, okay. but uh, today when i look at the q1 numbers uh, uh, juxtaposing it against q4 which itself was a stark improvement against uh, q3 numbers of fy21 we are able to see that you know finally the bank is uh, realizing that it has to walk down the path of its projections it cannot say one thing and do another thing uh that's becoming a little more evident today and uh, but then uh, you know uh, the problem with rbl really is still with the portfolio construct and they they're now getting into new uh, product streams like gold loan housing loan uh, increased penetration to sme msme and all that so um, assuming they put in their investment this year vehicle finance is another space that they're looking at so all these four four five products assume they put in their investment uh, 
this year or maybe last quarter or earlier year or whatever the investments are going to take a little bit of time to really show up right so okay. immediately are you going to see a portfolio construct change answer is no and in that case it would be prudent to presume that there could be a little more pain left in the bank so okay. as much as confidence that i would have for let's say a uh, indusind i may not talk about rbl in exactly the same length and that's why at this juncture i'll say rbl is definitely for a brave heart okay so much more like a wait and watch or if more you like if you have a propensity to absorb a little bit of downside risk here and there go for it okay so the risk is more is what you're saying but for the brave heart they can take if they're uh, yes. ready to, okay yeah Honestly. if you're ready to stomach it you can take it you should take it okay all right interesting so i have a couple of other questions i had uh, with regard to mid cap private banks was uh, these private banks were big market share gainers uh, prior to the pandemic i mean prior to the pandemic and even more before ilfs uh, because the large cap banks were caught up in asset quality issues uh, icici sbi axis bank all of them had asset quality issues and so these banks were gaining market share uh, mm-hmm. and then they've had their issues uh where are they now are they back to gaining market share are they uh are they but uh, how is their uh, are they gaining market share now especially when uh, some of the large cap private uh, private banks like icici bank have and access have got their acts together now right they seem to be doing well so are they how are they positioned now See, uh, I would say that uh, you know um, somebody like an RBL still maintains market share in the credit card space, in the MFI okay. space. Okay, but if you look at corporate lending side, their market share may have reduced, and they may have done it consciously. Uh, likewise, Indusind Bank, although its overall growth rates may have been a little low, uh, so if you do a CAGR of uh, uh, growth, uh, loan growth from FY19 to 22, it comes at 6.4 percent, right? Mm-hmm. whereas the industry during this period would have grown at least at 8% so compared okay. to the industry they have been laggards but having said that when it comes to vehicle finance they are the leaders mm-hmm. right okay. nobody can do business like how indusind does so whatever is the respective banks fought it they've been able to hold on to it they've been mm-hmm. able to hold forth that's not been the problem the problem okay. really is with the incremental or the smaller products there they may have lost market share and uh, there they may have not have really grown the book so net net if you're going to look at it from you know a total loan book perspective uh, they may have marginally reduced in the larger scheme of things their share or their relevance may have marginally reduced in the larger scheme of things uh, okay. now there are two aspects to it uh, hari uh, yes. take a bank like rbl okay rbl mm-hmm. on purpose said that you know i will wait, roll back a bit on uh, mfi loan because i when i know there is stress i don't want to pile on more stress uh, okay. so Uh, since they decided to took the steam off on a voluntary basis um the growth is you can say a voluntary uh, dip the dip in growth you can say is more voluntary and not trusted upon them whereas okay. uh, somebody like a bandhan you they had a fabulous portfolio in the form of guru finance uh, mm-hmm. but then they were busy battling uh, npa issues largely during the pandemic and uh, the 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 uh, potential that bandhan could possibly draw out of guru finance fell down a bit whereas uh, during this period banks have had a fabulous run uh, with respect to their housing portfolios in fact for icici axis um uh, even kotak for that matter home loan portfolio has been a very very important uh, growth and a uh, um, 
profitability generator bandhan okay. has not been able to capture it because of of course it's also very nascent in the market compared to biggies like them but um, it's a missed opportunity nonetheless take the case of yes bank yes bank mm-hmm. has lost share across um again a part of it is voluntary because it does not want to do business like the way it did during the rana kapoor days but then interesting thing is that on their digital offerings they remain the market leaders um, you know among the banks processing uh, digital transactions yes bank remains the leader so okay. uh, uh, i i would say i would i would really give it to the management of most of these banks to say that uh, at least they were able to understand that this is my niche this is my fort and i will not lose uh, grasp of it no matter what all right so which means uh... the kind of growth we saw prior to the pandemic that's some time away there we are not entering i would definitely think that is some time away hari and uh, to be fair i would be very wary if these banks start rolling back and you know growing back at that 35 40% because what has led rbl to where it is is possibly this this very very high uh, uh, growth rate uh, chasing uh, it's not going to work you know okay. uh, uh, sometimes you'll have to take uh, uh, your uh, step off the uh, your uh, your leg off the pedal and and say whether you really want to run this race or not and whether okay. it's going to really add up to anything meaningful rbl made the mistake of not taking its step of the gas the pedal of the gas and it's paying a price for it right so okay. if any of these banks say that you know i will go back to my 30% plus growth rates i would i would actually look at them with a lot of suspicion because okay. i can as an investor i'm willing to accept with what the mistakes you do once but okay. not twice and thrice and again and again right so which means from an investor uh, from an investing point of view the investors will, should prefer a slow and steady rather than an aggressive uh, yes okay. yes we are at a time where it does call for uh, a very uh, uh, calibrated growth investing in new product streams and growing uh, in a manner that is going to help the bank build its balance sheet in a wholesome manner keeping alm at uh, one hand cost of funds at the other hand and profitability also and very okay. frankly uh, you know during the last two years uh, because of uh, low interest rates banks have been able to come to that 4% profitability levels uh, high interest oh. rate scenario is very very advantageous for uh, nims but uh, um, if they are going to continue growing at this pace or uh, outperforming on growth to chase nims i would i would be reluctant to look at any of the banking stocks okay got it so say if i am an investor i should factor this in mind in choosing the bank right yes i would i would urge you to do that hari okay got it thank you uh, thank for that interesting perspective the next question i had was uh fintech is a team whose time has come no force can stop it and uh, many are non banks in the fintech space and uh, how are these companies these mid cap private banks positioned weathered to ensure they maintain their uh, space in the midst of the fintech onslaught a couple of years back back one of the senior uh, uh, leaders in the space he said today technology is not luxury it is mandatory and if you don't have that you are going to see your customers move away from you whether on the corporate side or on the retail side okay. uh, and uh, even if it is a you know a small uh, borrower like a kirana store uh, uh, owner he is not going to like you he is not going to come to you if you don't have the tech uh, chops 
uh, I think banks have taken this aspect very seriously. RBL is building its own super app. It, it, it's been in the works for quite some time. I think it's it's just entering the pilot phase as well, and it should be out for a, a full-blown rollout soon. Like I mentioned earlier, Yes Bank is a pioneer with uh, you know digital transactions. They're doing exceedingly well for themselves there. Indescent okay. is also uh, coping up with peers on this. Uh, very surprisingly, among the small finance banks, Ujjivan is seen as a player ahead of others in terms of offering uh, very compelling technology jobs. So I think somewhere banks are realizing that fintechs, uh, they, if they just you know ignore it and consider them as a competition, uh, they're not going to go really anywhere uh, in the business. So either they are uh, going to ensure, either they better ensure that their offerings match up as much as what fintechs can do in terms of convenience and speed of transactions, which is what they're doing right now, or partner with fintechs for a lot of products. Like um, there are banks now partnering with uh, Amazon Pay uh, and uh, with uh, Car24, Cash24, and so on. So um, either you co-work or you build your own shops. And that is something I would credit all the banks for doing, especially all the top league private banks. Okay, got it. Uh, one final question, Hansini. Uh, uh, so given the given where we are and uh, mm. to, to optimize on performance going ahead, uh, growth seems to be picking up, although we may have some global headwinds, domestic growth seems to be picking up well. Uh, right. Uh, do all these companies have adequate management bandwidth uh, to focus and grow? Uh, simply because some of them have new management, there has been a churn in, in right. top management, like you mentioned, in RBL, uh, etc. So how is the management bandwidth in these banks? Uh, and is it good enough? Okay. So FY22, Hari, was a period of very, very high attrition, mm -hmm. uh, attrition levels across all bands. And there was nothing which is an exception to the attrition rate that we saw. I mean, uh, 37 to 42, 44% and all is quite unheard of in private banks. And it definitely doesn't happen very regularly. To that extent, I would say that, you know, uh, whatever team that they have in place today is a, a nascent to a slightly maturing team. So it's you should consider it like an investment made for tomorrow. So just because there is a team put in place now to chase a certain product or to build a certain product, uh, uh, we should not construe that you know results are going to start yielding from day one. Um, okay. Look at growth. I mean, if growth starts trickling in from FY22, that's very good. But if you if you if you're going to uh, go back in time and start expecting growth to happen from FY23 itself, you're being uh, you know uh, over greedy. Uh, mm -hmm. So they are building management shops, uh, but it is at a very uh, 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 early stages yet. So just because they put in the right kind of people, we don't know really whether it is the right kind of people yet because it's still in the trial and error mode. But just because I put in a good team in, in place doesn't mean that the team has to, uh, you know, be up and running and deliver 20% growth from that person, that particular portfolio from day one. So to answer your question, I'd say I'll be a little wary about that as well. Um, it's, okay. it's going to take a little bit of time to see old, old growth rates. Honey. So patience required, basically. A lot of it, abundant of it. Okay, got it. So thanks, Samsini, for this interesting insight. Uh, that's thanks, it, it was nice chatting up with you on this. Yes, it was really nice. That's it from us for this week. 
I would urge all of you to check out uh, our big story in our portfolio edition dated July 31 for a more detailed analysis by Hamsini on the prospects for these uh, mid-cap private sector banks. So stay tuned in for further podcasts and actionable advice from us at BL Portfolio. Uh, read us in print on Sundays and online at the hindubusinessline.com slash portfolio. Do share your podcasts in your circles if you find them useful. Thank you.